You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week we're still talking about Dark Phoenix. Even darker. Oh, part two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Last week we talked about the... We gave you a 101 rundown on the Dark Phoenix saga from 1980. Uh, to go along with the movie, the most recent Fox movie, the last Fox X-Men movie to come out. And uh, we're going we're gonna to see what that would look like maybe in the DC universe. Yes, let's bring the Dark Phoenix saga over to the DC Comics universe. I mean, is there any stories that you could already equate to the Dark Phoenix saga in the DC universe? The closest thing off the top of my head, I would just think maybe Emerald Twilight when Hal goes parallax. That's very true, yeah. I could see that. I mean, if we're talking about cosmic entities. I mean, we can we can talk all day about people like Necron and yeah, and uh, what's the name of the the Demon King that Superman fights in Final Crisis? Oh shit, that vampire uh, thing. Yeah, Draxon or something yeah. like that. Just yeah. ancient ancient things that exist. But hey, you know, but, as far as like a fiery phoenix, nothing can come close. That's Jean Grey's boy. Yeah. And even then, even with just thinking, you know, the parallax thing, that was just kind of like strung together. It was handed off to different various writers and artists, and they'd add different mythos. And then finally, Jeff Johns is like, I got an idea. Emotions. Emotions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to see what that looks like in the the DC universe. And, you know, it's it's me, it's Chris, and it's Rafa, and we're talking about comic books. That's right. Let's get it on. Let's hit that spinner rack. All right. So it's that favorite time of Wednesday again, because there's only one time of Wednesday, but it's comic <laughs> book time. That's what it is. So I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here. I'm going to go over to Boom Studios. So if you made a major mistake like I did, then be ready. But hopefully you can go to a comic shop and find one. Go, go. Power Rangers Forever Rangers number one. This will be the book that spills everything out. This is where it all launches off because the Power Rangers are going to be going off against Alpha One. That's right. That's son of a bitch. He was the villain the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been reading this book. Um, it's great. Uh, Ryan Perriott, who writes it, is by far a great writer, and he brings the Power Rangers to modern times with very real issues with a sprinkle of cosmic um, alien monsters thrown in. So it's believable. It's fun. It's like watching an episode of Riverdale, a good episode of Riverdale with elements of Monsters of the Week thrown in. And there's so much lore behind it, too. So, you know, Alpha One turns out to be, like, the first person that helped Zordon back when he was Zordon of Eltar, and they were off going off and, like, having cosmic battles. So the the current Alpha we have is Alpha Five, so he's just doing his own thing. But Alpha One turns out to be kind of all about when... He's, he's, he's kind of going Punisher about it. He's nice. all about, why don't we just kill the villains? Because they just keep coming back and making things yeah. worse. Zordon, your way of looking at things is flawed, and I'm going to show you why that is. Now I could just picture like get like a famous Punisher line, but put that they're like ay 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 as he as he kills them all. Oh, but Alpha One looks mean though. Like his his head casket is just like this little angry looking like crocodile almost machine monster thing. Damn. It's nuts. 
Yeah, so no, I'm, I'm definitely stoked for this miniseries. Um, I'm probably just going to have to do it in trade, and I'm so pissed at myself for missing this, but yeah, so a lot of great stuff coming out of there. Um, let's see if we go on over to DC Comics this week. We have Aquaman, issue 49. That's right, the truth about Aquaman is finally revealed. His memory's been gone, so we've been having the Jason Momoa Aquaman floating around. We don't know what's going on. The memories return, or actually, sorry, it's why he lost his memory is revealed. So this is a beautiful cover of Mara in a wedding gown holding onto an Aquaman skeleton so this is going to lead up to issue number 50 which will be coming out next month batman issue 73 will be out this is part four of the fall in the fallen i cannot wait for this issue because batman 72 blew my mind like i just thought like if you love the character of bane and you're not reading batman that's okay but go back and buy issue 72 because it really it, through the through the and again, this is spoilers, but this book's been out for a while. But through the mind's eye of Thomas Wayne, he basically explains the whole run of Tom King's Batman. And since issue rebirth, it was Bane. He set up that plane so it would crash. He maneuvered the Gotham kids to come back as the superheroes Gotham and Gotham Girl. It's insane. It's all laid out so beautifully. So this issue is huge, and we're finally going to have a big confrontation between Thomas Wayne's Flashpoint Batman and Bruce Wayne's Batman Batman. So, I mean, can we argue that Tom King isn't writing a Batman story, but he's writing a Bane story? Dude, I'm really starting to look at it that way. Right. I mean, it's it's... Like the the, the 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 just the narrative of Thomas Wayne explaining everything and like he's like yeah this is why I got sold into this plan to fuck over my son because of Bane it's like holy shit yeah. and the extra panels like it takes us back to that one where Batman assembles his team and they go to Santa Prisca and they they fight Bane and Batman lays him out and he's like fuck yeah Batman ha 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 and Bane's laying there and then he just smiles. And it's like, damn, that yeah. just added so much. I mean, that issue blew my mind. So I am looking I am, forward to that. That was I Am out. Suicide, right? Yeah. Because he's trying to find the the mask for what's his name? Oh, the Medusa mask. So, yeah, uh, so that way he yeah. could help out Gotham Girl. Yeah, it was insane. Like, this was just beautiful stuff. And speaking of masterminds behind the bat, Batman by Grant Morrison, Omnibus Volume 2. Holy shit. I wish, I, like, I don't know. I should have gotten volume one. I mean, obviously it made sense that they're going to collect it, but this one's going to be exciting. So you get Batman issues 700 through 702, Batman and Robin issues one through 16, and Batman, the return of Bruce Wayne issues one through six. And this is all put in reading order for the first time. So this is huge because when you bought the trades, you bought the Batman books, you bought the Batman and Robin books, you bought the return of Bruce Wayne, who knows why, but you did. And it's all together. So they're finally going to put it in the order that it's meant to be read in. So this is insane. So I think I'm going to wait. I'm going to see how volume three will look. And then I'm going to pay extreme prices to go back and buy volumes one and two. <laughs> and the Grant Morrison era was so just fucking beautiful man it was something else and i feel going back i mean i went through a batman phase where i was just reading through all of it and grant morrison is definitely the one where i started uh-huh. and just oh, I, I loved every single second of it yeah no it is um i remember i think i was off the batman books at the time and then i heard grant morrison was going to come on so i ordered his first issue and like that opener with commissioner gordon and batman fighting it was like, holy fuck, dude, I'm going to be in for some crazy stuff. And then it culminating in the death of Batman, Dick Grayson as Batman. Oh, yep. my God. Like, Tony Daniel did a lot of great stuff as well. Like, he he really took the baton and run with it. Um, Judd Winnick did some great stuff there, too. Uh, as you and I, as toy collectors, like, I'm finally excited. Uh, DC Multiverse from Mattel will be doing an 80th anniversary Batman wave. And we're finally 
finally getting the Dick Grayson Batman figure. But oh, we haven't wow. seen the picture Time. yet. So it I hope be it's good. good. It better be. I already pre-ordered that bastard. But so anyways, yes. Uh, okay, moving along. We have Batman Flash, the button trade paperback. That's right. It's been collected every which way you can. <laughs> so this is the copy you can give to your grandma because you probably have 20 of them. Um, and then not only is there going to be one version of it, there's going to be two versions of it. You'll have the international edition. So you'll have the regular one that has the Bruce Flash, or sorry, the Batman Flash split cover. And then you'll have the other cover, the international one that shows Flash running and somehow Batman. Batman's keeping up with him. That's what I always laugh at whenever they draw those covers, like the big team ones, and they're all moving forward. It's like Superman and Flash would be like, fuck you guys, we're gone. You know? But yet they're still right there. You know, you well, always they have like. St- they stick around for the picture. Yeah, they're just like, all right, I'll stand here. They and understand wait for everybody. Team Unity. They get that. Yeah, I guess. All right, good point. Good save. Because, yeah, because like sometimes you see like Green Arrow next to Flash, and you're like, what the hell? Really? Come on. That's BS. So, anyways, yeah, why did I pick Green Arrow? I saw that look. But yeah. anyways, <laughs> uh, just as league issue 26 will be out that's right we've celebrated the big 25th issue scott snyder's justice league is an officially an epic book so this is going to be really hitting the ground running hard because the villains well it's their year so there's going to be a lot of stuff there so uh if you want to get ready for phase I don't know, two or three of Scott Snyder's league run. It begins here. Uh, Let's see. Nightwing will hit issue 61. So we still have the adventures of Rick Grayson. Now, I know this book is, you know, a lot of the fans are kind of, it's very polarizing. So which way do you go? I say keep going. Why? Because eventually we're going to see through the year of the villain that Lex Luthor will go to the Court of Owls and he say, hey, I'm going to make you an offer. I call him dick grayson so there's going to be finally that temptation for them to get dick grayson uh red hood outlaw uh, volume one trade paperback will be collected so if you want to get in on why red hood kind of got a little bit darker and wears a ski mask this is where those adventures begin uh here's the big one i don't know how i feel about it i haven't had a chance to read it yet but it'll be interesting superman year one Part one of three. That's right. Frank Miller and John Romina Jr. This is the collection nobody asked for. Nobody. You know, every every people <laughs> talk about how much they love Frank Miller all the time. People will talk about how much they love J.R. Jr. art all the time, but I just can't get into either one. <laughs> yeah, I no. just can't. Um, I you know, it's interesting because not to like I, I so Frank Miller's interesting. Uh when I first really started being aware of the creators behind the scenes, I was not a Frank Miller fan. I just felt like he did a lot of stuff for shock and awe and just because he could. Um, I mean, I remember God, remember All-Star Batman and Robin? Mm-hmm. What a piece of shit book that was. It's like, oh, I'm Batman and your family just died. Live in my cave and eat rats. I'm going to go fuck Black Canary behind a dumpster. And you're like, well, at least Jim Lee was on art. You know, I was like, okay. Yeah, at least Jim Lee was there. Um, but I do want to give some credit to these two guys, though. Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. If you want a superhero origin, don't don't read the Superman one. Go back and read Daredevil, The Man Without Fear, because that one is by far way better. Uh, but again, Superman, every decade, he has to get at least one or two new origins. It has to. It's I think it's in, in the DC Comics Bible. Um, so this is going to be one of them. So it's 2019. Let's see what happens. Um, I will not be going along for this ride. But hey. If you want some easy cash, that might be the way to do it. So anyways, that's coming from you from DC Comics. If we go on to the other side of the fence over at Marvel, things are coming to a conclusion. Age of X-Men, Amazing Nightcrawler issue 5 and Next Gen issue 5 will be happening. So it's nights out, or sorry, it's curtains for Kurt Wagner, and then the conclusions will be happening. So we're starting to see some of the miniseries come to an end. Amazing Spider-Man issue 21 will be getting a second printing, so that's more of the fallout from Hunted. Uh, The story was pretty decent. 
I just I got long winded tired of it, but definitely it's out there. Uh, the Epic Collections this time focus on Spider-Man, and we get the Goblin Lives trade paperback. So this is going to be neat because we're going to see a lot of the uh, the Green Goblin returning, and it's it's crazy because this is taking us old school back into the earlier issues. So this will actually be Norman Osborn. So we thought the Green Goblin menace had ended. No, it was just Norman Osborn playing around with his memory being funky. So this is the first time the Green Goblin comes at Spider-Man with a vengeance. So if you want to see some of that old school uh, Stanley Spidey stuff, that's where it's going to be. Captain America will finally be out this week and we'll get issue 11. And this will be the Captain of Nothing storyline continuing Hunted Aftermath. This book has been fantastic. Captain America is in jail right now. Uh, he's having to work with the villains. And uh, just, the, I can't even remember their names right now, but um, the villains behind this one are fantastic. They have a great plan. Uh, like I said, if you really enjoyed Ed Brubaker's Captain America run, which was also a very strong Winter Soldier run, I highly recommend picking up these issues 1 through 11 so far and continuing on because this is great. Like This is really putting Captain America in that... 1970s spy thriller mm. mode and it's it, it shows off a side of Captain America that we don't get to see often much where he's got to think him think his way out of it I mean he's a master strategist so it's nice to finally see that because he can't solve his problems with his punches no matter how he throws his mighty shield it doesn't Throw matter my mighty shield. <laughs> okay uh, Captain America issue 7 will be out so it's a war of the realms tie-in so if you're collecting those definitely make sure to put that in your cart Daredevil issue five will be getting a, a second printing cover, and that's got one of those Mark Chichero covers where we actually see a badass Daredevil wearing the Punisher shirt. That's right, because in issue four, Daredevil got shot. Frank Castle sewed him up, and how did how did uh, Matt say thank you? He knocked him out and stole his shirt and went to go fight crime. <laughs> so we get to see this Daredevil Punisher hybrid. So it's just neat visually. Uh, but we're also in for a treat because Daredevil issue seven will be out. Issue six was a great look at the city and the inner workings and what's going on and how does hell's kitchen survive without daredevil so this is going to be really exciting stuff um <clears throat> it was definitely a slow issue but it sets up for the i think they call it no gods all hell here or something like that i forget but it was just really exciting so i i'm i'm excited to see matt murdoch not be daredevil mm. it's it's just great it plays with his inner catholicism and you know we're already guilty feeling now we have even more reason to feel guilty so it's awesome deadpool issue 14 will be out this is also a war of the realms tie-in as well Guardians of the Galaxy number five gets a second printing. Why? Because Thanos lives. That's right. Uh, he's been hiding inside Star Fox and he finally let himself free and he's now coming to his body and we've seen the eyes open. So that's what the cover will be showing. And this is perfect timing. Why? Because Guardians of the Galaxy issue six is out. So this will come to a big conclusion. We will see the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Dark Guardians, Hela and the Black Order all fight while, you know, Thanos is being born. So this is going to be crazy balls to the wall action. Howard the Duck issue one is getting a facsimile edition. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to, Mitch has to coach me on this word all the time. I suck at it. I don't know why. But anyways, uh, Howard the Duck. Yeah, I mean, this is some crazy stuff. Comics just being comic bookery. So this is this is just fun stuff. So if you want to get in on that, uh, there you go. This is, again, part of the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics. So it's fantastic stuff. Uh, Immortal Hulk issue 17 gets a second printing. Marvel's annotated issue four of four. Now, this is neat. Um, not only is it Marvel's 80th anniversary, sorry, Marvel Comics.
Comics. It's their 80th anniversary. It's also Marvel's 25th anniversary as well. I was lucky when I got into comics. This was one of my first stories. Um, I loved it. Just that beautiful Alex Ross art. Kurt Busiek telling the story of the Marvel Universe. Fantastic stuff. So I highly recommend these recommend these annotated issues because it's like it's like buying a DVD with all the extra bonuses. So there's all this great material in there as well. And just because there's more love of Marvels, Marvels will be getting a poster book. So that's right. Some of those classic pages that Alex Ross drew or showed his inspiration from will be now collected. So, you know, you're going to have to buy a house so you can have more walls to display mm-hmm. stuff. Miles Morales will be celebrating issue seven of his story. Uh, so, yes, he's part of the 616. We're going to see all his hijinks. Miss Marvel. So if you were a big fan of the movie and you want to read about Miss Marvel, though, this is her kind of her family sidekick, Kamala Khan. We're going to see a lot of her changes. So this will be called Metamorphosis. So it'll definitely show some of her early stuff going on there, seeing what happens to her. Uh, new X-Men Quest for Magic complete collection will be happening. So Magic was dead for a long time. I know in the last episode we talked about how Jean was gone for a while. So was Magic. Uh, she succumbed to the legacy virus, I want to say like in the early 90s, and we didn't get her back till they created the, oh God, what was the story called? Demon Quest or something like that? Infernus, X Infernus. So this is the story that shows Magic's return. So if you really want to get to know Magic's newer origins and why she's the badass that she is, this is the trade for you. Shuri issue nine will be out so we get to see more action there I gotta say I think that's really awesome because I know when she first came out as a character there really wasn't too much of a love for her because she was wholeheartedly replacing T'Challa as Black Panther but I think the movies that actress did such a great job that people have embraced her character even more that's what I was gonna ask is was she when she was first created for the comics was it just to bring her in as the new Black Panther like, pretty much she wasn't in before that where it's like T'Challa's sister or anything like that like she may have had a couple appearances here and there but there it was just like more superficial like oh there's people but the character wasn't really there Mm. i'd I'd say okay uh let's see so silver surfer black number one came out last week and guess what it's already getting a second printing that's right now the cover will have a spoiler so we don't get to see what it looks like but it's dedato art so i definitely can say it's gonna look good um spider-man and the league of rails will be coming to a conclusion as will war of the realm so this is another tie-in Spider-Man City at War Part 4 of 6. So if you like the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man video game, this is going to continue the adventures of that uh, that Peter Parker. So is he just Earth PS4? Is that what we could call it? Yeah, basically with a with a dope white spider, right? Suit. Yeah, that costume. Can, what can you say? What's the difference between that Peter Parker and the Peter Parker we know in the six one six? They're very much the same. Uh, they're very similar. And this one, really, what they're doing is they're taking that Peter Parker. I would say the Peter that comes right out of high school. Mm-hmm. So like he's kind of like in the college times right here, kind of working at May still around. What's um, he, What's he doing for a job? As far as a job, he he was working with uh, with um, with Doctor Octopus okay. until he turns bad. But he's also doing other things. He's not really working for James uh, for Jonah Jameson. Jameson has retired. He has a podcast now. That's right. We're just talking shit about Spider Man. <laughs> so really, we're looking at like a college age, early twenties. Peter Parker, Mary Jane already knows he's Spider Man. They've broken up, but they're kind of getting slowly back together. And they've incorporated Miles into this universe as well. So let me ask you this, Chris. Uh, a, a Spider-Man, a Peter Parker that doesn't have the quote-unquote photography 
background or history added to him. That, that's what we had in the Ultimate Universe because he went to the to yeah, the Bugle to try design. and be a try and be a photographer, and he's like, "These are terrible." <laughs> and he's like, "But I don't know how to use this computer. Could you help us with that?" And then yeah, he he becomes the the web designer, web content for um for the Bugle. So, but, but it doesn't sound like they're doing that with with this iteration, but. How do you feel about a Peter Parker that doesn't do the photography thing? You know, it, it kind of makes me sad because, like, you think about it, Clark Kent, he's a reporter. Mm-hmm. You know, Hal Jordan, he's a test pilot. Uh, Captain America, he's a PE teacher. He's an artist. I, what I just is think he? of him as a soldier. He's a shield agent. Yeah, you know, so Marvel has definitely done a job of, like, uh, they're, like I mean, I, I challenge you, think about it. What character from the Marvel Universe is associated with their job? The, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, they really don't have Honestly, that. when I th- when I think of Spider-Man, or Peter Parker, as his job, I just think of him as a teacher. I think of him as a high school yeah. teacher. I mean, that's that, that was much after I started reading Spider-Man comics, but that's just what I think of him as. Oh, well, J.M. Uh, J. Straczynski yeah. had that great run, and, and yeah, that was the, first, or the second time they actually had Spider-Man going to the teaching profession. Mm. Uh, and myself in that profession, I think it was great. I love it. So I do miss Spider-Man being associated with the Daily Bugle as a photographer. But truth be told, Marvel 616 hasn't given us that in a long time That's either. That's true. So, I mean, like I was hoping for it when we were reading Ultimate Spider-Man. I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to come. But I think it was smart them saying, no, he's part of web design. You know, it's they definitely play to the era and the age. Uh, because right now, what Peter Parker, he had Pie Industries, Parker Industries, and it all came to a crash, and now he's like couch surfing. So I mean, they, they, his his career is fluid. Yeah, you know? very. So I think the way you were describing this setup for the video game, I love the fact that like what a great modernization of the mythos. Um, because I think that is neat that it's like okay, you know, because it would be neat to see like Osborne Industries having that. Um, internship and Peter taking it. But I do like the pl- the fact that Otto Octavius did get Spider-Man as one of his like student helpers, which echoes back to Spider-Man too. So I think that's pretty cool. So I, I mean, I miss it, but I do, I appreciate it because I mean, if we really sit down and think about it. Was, was Peter ever a photographer? No, he just no. webbed the camera just and would like, hope for the best. Yeah. Just like the, the guy in, in Marvel's talks about it is it yeah, Marvels or yeah, is, yeah. It's, it was somewhere else phil sheldon was the other was the real photographer he's, he's like, like oh, it looks like you just kid. take a you're just putting the picture in or the camera in a spot and hoping that the guy shows up and he's yeah. like yeah yep. <laughs> isn't that how you do it <laughs> <laughs> when i was a freelance photographer that's what i hoped for <laughs> uh but anyways yeah but no this one's really cool because we actually get to see the sinister six so i'm very excited so from the cover art we can definitely see that it'll be doc ock Scorpion, Rhino, Electro, Vulture, and what is it? Is that five? So I can't really make out who the sixth person is. So I don't know if maybe that's going to be one of the... uh Oh, no, I'm sorry. There he is. Mr. Negative. So I like that he's really included in this stuff as well. Yeah, he has a big part in the game. Yeah, so I I love the fact that this takes like all of Spider-Man lore and puts it all together. Because I think that's cool that Peter and Morales are you know around the same age i think that's that's very fun stuff so it's a it's a neat what if i wish i had purchased this but um, i missed out but i'll probably go back and like get it how close to the same age i so miles Morales is the beginning of high school and so peter's Ma- at being miles in college is more yeah he's in high school he's more of a young adult he's like 16 17 and what peter I would see. be 18 19 peter peter's like 22 23 24. Oh, okay I like, okay because okay. you can still be like Miles looks up to Spider-Man kind of thing. And that's but. what it looks like is going. Because the way that the game ends, spoiler, is um, in the game, Miles gets bit by a spider. Oh, so he's in the Spider-Man yet. Uh, yeah, and, it, the, and the, the way that it ends oh, cool. is he's like, 
he's hanging out with, with Peter. He doesn't know he's Spider-Man yet. And he's oh. like, I've been, I've been going through these weird things. And then, like, like I don't know how to explain it. And then Peter catches on. And he's like, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. And then, like, he, he basically he clings to the wall. And then Miles like, oh, and then Miles clings to the wall. They're both on the wall staring at each other like, this is interesting. <laughs> so it looks like that's when they cool. make the sequel, it looks like that's, but probably Peter's going to take on that mental role and Miles is going to somehow be utilized in that way. So it's going to be like Super Mario Brothers 2, player one, player two. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It, the way that they build the game is really built around the idea that this is like a Peter Parker that could be anyone's Peter Parker because he's still relatively young, but he still has, like, you know that he's been Spider-Man for at least a little bit. And that's the main thing. He's been Spider-Man for a bit, so he's already kind of developed a little bit of a rogues gallery because in the game, he's fighting the Sinister Six, but the only real persons that are new are Mr. Negative, and like this is Otto before he becomes Dr. Octopus. Okay, So cool. at this point, it's like he's already faced off against Rhino. He's faced off against Electro, Falcon, uh, Vulture. There's some history there. Yeah. And so, need, you know, he I still need them. to get this game. It's a great game. I've been meaning to buy it. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, you need to get it so I can play or watch. <laughs> like, I need to get a system. It sucks, though, because this game was so good. Like, it came out the same year as Red Dead Redemption 2 oh. and God of War. Yeah. Oh, that was, so yeah, it's that's like, a trifecta. It's just, ah, it didn't win any accolades, and that's the travesty. Okay. All right. So now this is a trade paperback. I would say approach with caution. Why? Because it's such a good story. So, Spider-Man Gauntlet, the Complete Collection, Volume 1. Uh, this was back when you had Dan Slott, Mark Wade, and I forget who else was writing it, but I think you had that writer's room of people writing Spider-Man, and they did a great job of handing off the baton. Like, like we saw this in Avengers vs. X-Men, where different writers would write issues, and a lot of the characters came off with like different voice. This one, this one was fantastic. I love this story because it was going to basically be like this whole trial that Peter was going to have to go to that would eventually lead to Norman Osborn. Uh, this is crazy stuff because at the time, Norman Osborn was the top cop, you know, so the Dark Reign was going on. So this will collect Dark Reign, the list, Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man issues 612 to 626, annual 37, and then some material from Web of Spider-Man issues 2, 3, 4, and 5. So I highly recommend this. This is a great story uh, just because it puts Spider-Man down on his knees and then you watch him have to claw his way back up, which is always some of the great stuff about Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man Life Story issue 3 will be getting a second printing. I cannot tell you enough great things about this series. It's been fantastic. I love it. Just... Just Spidey through the ages, man. And this <laughs> Peter Parker, he's a very interesting guy because this issue three, um, so we're set in the 80s. So Spider-Man went off to go fight in the Secret War. He comes back with the symbiote. He knows that it's a symbiote relationship because even Reed Richards is like, hey, you should watch out. That thing's going to kill you. And Spidey's like, I know. I already figured out how to detain it. It's okay. Back <laughs> off, old man. And it's like, oh, shit. You know, Pete's got a little bit of a bite. Uh, Aunt May is starting to go a little senile. So there's one point where she takes the twins. So in this reality, Spider-Man and Mary Jane have married and they have two children. They had a pair of twins. So Aunt May takes them out on a walk, forgets that she's a grand or a great aunt and leaves them behind. Oh. So this is crazy. So Mary Jane calls the cops. Of course, luckily they find Aunt May. They find the babies. Spider-Man shows up. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. And Mary Jane's like, she's basically hinting that she wants to put Aunt May in a home. And Spider-Man's like, fuck that. She raised me when I had no one. I can't do that. But then that's when finally Mary Jane confronts him. She's like, but you're not raising her. I am. You're yeah. out there being Spider-Man. Yeah. And it was like, good. 
Like that kind of needed to be said because as much as Peter's like, oh, why do all these bad things happen to me? It's kind of like, dude, some of it is self-fulfilling prophecy. Yep. So I just really enjoyed that moment. So anyways, yes, go buy this. Buy all the copies. <laughs> buy everything. Tony Stark, Iron Man 13 will have a War of the Realms tie-in. And then now we get to the best part, the True Believers books. <clears throat> So we will have True Believers, Spidey Fights in London, number one. Why is this reprinting? Because we have a movie coming out. That's why. <laughs> uh, True Believers, Spider-Man Wedding, Aunt May and Doc Ock. Now, this one is fun because issue 131 of Amazing comes out, and it's like, hey, Doc Ock's about the same age as Aunt May. They're both two lonely people. Let's put them together. Oh, my God. So I'm very excited to get to read this one as well. Uh, Uncanny X-Men issue 17 will be getting a second printing. And I love this cover because it takes the last page spoiler. So this is the funeral of Wolfsbane. Cyclops and Wolverine come to a fight. Uh, they're battling it out in front of all the surviving X-Men. Finally, Juggernaut is the voice of reason, and he comes in, and he's like, I'm the fucking Juggernaut, and he smacks them all down. And then he's like, what about your list? What about Emma Frost? And Cyclops retorts with, who the hell is Emma Frost? Big moment. So that was a great cliffhanger. So now you get it as a cover. And don't worry, because there's a lot of uncanny love today. Uncanny X-Men issue 12 will be out. So issue 19 was fantastic. A lot of bombshells were dropped. We see what Emma's been doing to survive and also try to help the mutant race survive. So now we get the fallout and conclusion. Well, not conclusion, but we have more of the continuation of the story. So uncanny issue 12 will be out as well. And if you want to try to save some money and get those back issues with which I highly recommend. There will be an Uncanny X-Men Volume 1 Cyclops and Wolverine trade paperback, and this will collect issues 11 through 16 of the current run of Uncanny. I love this trade. I've pre-ordered it. I can't wait. The only thing I wish they had done differently was included the Uncanny X-Men Annual Number 1 here. Um, I finally got confirmation from Marvel that they will be reprinting the annual. This will come out in December, and they're going to be calling it, I think, en uh, Endless Summer or Summers and Winters. And basically, this will collect three issues. It'll have the X-Men Exterminated issue, which takes place from the fallout of Extermination, where the 05 went back in time. It'll have the X-Men Christmas special that was put out last year, and it'll have the annual featuring the return of the king. I'm sorry. I meant Cyclops. <laughs> but it's pretty much implied, right? And so anyway, so yeah, there's a lot cricket, of great cricket, love there. Cricket. Get out of here yeah. with your crickets. Okay. You're, go, you're drunk. Go home. Yeah. Uh, Unstoppable Wasp issue nine will be out. This will be dealing more with uh, Hope's... Uh, Sorry, not Hope, Nadia, dealing more with Nadia and her uh, coming of age. Uh, War of the Realms Journey into Mystery number five will be coming to a conclusion because, again, the War of the Realms is getting very close to being concluded. War of the Realms War Scrolls issue three will be out. Now, this one is a really good must read. Why? Because this is actually Jason Aaron adding more to his main story. So we have a daredevil who has the power of Hemadol and can see all. And so the cover shows us that Daredevil is finally going to be going after the Kingpin. So this could be some very interesting stuff. Um, if you've been reading our site, I've been trying to do my best to keep up with reviews. And this is a series that I would recommend. And I will throw it out there that if you buy the trade and you don't like it, I'll buy it from you. Uh, Winter Soldier trade paperback, Second Chances. Now, it's... It's not going to be a major life or death story. This isn't an event comic, but I think it's really important because this shows Bucky Barnes realizing that he was the Winter Soldier, and luckily he had a chance to atone for his life and his sins. So now he's offering that out there for everybody. He's going to those henchmen and saying, look, you don't have to work for Amar Hydra. I'll do my best to help you. And along this journey, he winds up meeting a young boy who's basically been modeled to be a psychopathic Bucky. 
So, you know, Bucky manages to get the kid. Uh, he extracts him and starts helping him. The conclusion is just so sad. It's a very sad tale, um, which is great because not everything ends happily. So I would highly recommend you check this out. Uh, beautiful art, great writing, just a win. But again, if you don't like it, I'll back that purchase up. I think uh, I figured out who's uh, Leviathan over in the DC Universe then. It's uh, Bucky. He comes over from Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm sick of this shit. If I can't fix one world, I'll fix another. Hey, I'd take it. <laughs> I need that crossover. <laughs> All right, let's see. Wolverine, the Infinity Watch, issue five of five. Yes, the miniseries that makes no sense is finally coming to a conclusion. We have how many Batman we talked about last episode? Well, now we have how many Wolverines? This is just one more Wolverine. This is the Wolverine Phoenix from the future. <laughs> old man, flaming Phoenix Logan. I don't know what the hell you call it. That's, uh, it should be acronym old, O-L-D. That's what it will stand for. There you go. That's what, that's what we need to do. It's just, we have the enter the Batverse, enter the Wolverine verse, and then the two of them at the very end fight each other, and then we get Dark Claw. Oh yeah, <laughs> there you go. So Mitch, our, Rafa and I, we've been we've been joking in our texts. Uh, we're gonna write it. We'll have our into the Wolverine verse, but we'll call it Meet the Bubs. Meet the Bubs, and it'll it. be like a fried green tomatoes for Logan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hitting uh, comic shelves uh, early 2020. Yes, this is gonna be fantastic. <laughs> I already, we already have the last panel. <laughs> it's Wolverine embracing another Wolverine, crying, and then at the end he's gonna say it, Meet the Bubs, and meet it's like bubs. oh, it comes to it comes to a head. <laughs> Spoiler, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and let's see one of the best books out there if you want to get a big understanding of the convoluted history of the x-men that isn't necessarily official but isn't necessarily too far off then i highly recommend grand design so x-men grand design extinction issue two will be out and this will take us um this will take us to the 90s, basically. Uh, this pretty much should conclude um, with some of the Jim Lee era of X-Men when they had those awesome costumes. Um, Ed Piscor just did an amazing job with this series. Uh, it's six issues in total, and they've been released as t three two-part miniseries. The first one focusing on the original X-Men and the, uh, uh, the, 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 the giant-size X-Men team. Volume 2, focusing more on the Dark Phoenix era and beyond, and now here the Extinction era with the 80s and 90s. Just a great tour de force of all that is X-Men. So I highly recommend that one as well. And especially, too, if you don't want to get the single issues, which is fine, go buy the trades. Why? Because they actually made them bigger so you can appreciate the art. So this one man did an illustrated history of the X-Men from 1963 up to however late he goes into the 90s. So it's fantastic. So that's what's on your spinner rack, folks. Awesome. There you go. That's what's on your spinner rack. Go out and pick yourself up some brand new comic books today. Now, we were talking about the Dark Phoenix Saga last week. I wanted to see what does that look like in the DC Universe. Who is going to be your Jean Grey? Who is going to be your Fe what is going to be your Phoenix Force? What's going to who are going to be your Hellfire Club? Who will be your Shi'ar? And then who would be your Mastermind, the one that tempts uh, the Phoenix Force into being bad? Essentially, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. We're gonna cover all the major players. You know, the Hellfire Club who who seduces and changes it and causes the damage. The Shi'ar who comes in and cleans up the damage. Um, who will be your mastermind? Because I tell you what, if you're a fan of Mastermind, that is one of his best stories. And I mean, how many people are a fan of Mastermind? You know, like oh, I'm Jason Wingard, I'm a weird looking dude. But he did such a huge, profound um, event in the life of Jean Grey and the X Men. And then of course, who's your Jean Grey? Yeah, yeah, no, that covers all the major players. So I will go first since I threw this challenge out, and I want to say my Jean Grey 
is Miss Martian. Yes, I went with Whoa. another telepath, uh, oh, female wow. telepath. Uh, I like her. I like her character. I know she was, I think she was introduced or created for Young Justice, but she has been in uh, DC Comics quite a bit as of lately. She might have showed up a little bit before uh, in the comic books before um, Young Justice, but I definitely enjoy I enjoy her character. Uh, she most recently also showed up in Supergirl. Um, they didn't go with the having a uncle-niece relationship with Martian Manor. They went with a more uh, romantic relationship between the two of them. Wow. Oh, wow. So uh, that was interesting. And, you know, it was, it was Martian Manhunter, you know, kind of falling in love for the first time since his wife and race died. That's huge. Yeah, that's really huge. Because he's never really be, moved on. And to be with a white Martian at that. I know. And that's those the thing. Two, those two were... Races of Martians hate each other violently. Very, and that's a, you know that's a that was a thing that was I thought was going to be interesting with this because there's already the temptation with uh, Miss Martian of going evil just yeah. because she's white she's a white Martian like, and I guess I'm throwing the label of evil onto all white Martians, but that's the way they've been portrayed. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, thanks, Grant Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> so. I wanted to give that little extra boost. What is that cosmic entity? And I hope I'm not stepping on anybody else's toes. I don't know what you guys picked. I picked the Eclipso Diamond. Ooh. The I've seen this diamond come through and corrupt people over and over and over again in the DC universe. And you had what was it, Tomas? That was part of the J- JSA, Jeff Johns JSA. That he's like, oh, I can control it. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was the their the brother of. The second Wildcat, Yolanda Martinez. That's right. So yeah. So Tomas Martinez, he uh, he was their groundskeeper or like basically their curator, curator for the museum, yeah. and he he took on the the diamond, thinking that he could control it, have superpowers, do good, but eventually it corrupted him. It takes it over because that's yeah. what the Eclipso Diamond does. It's taken over the Justice League, but how would that look in Miss Martian, who can wow. who has all the powers of uh, of March Manor, but I think she has extras too. I think she has more um, than what he has because uh, he she doesn't have. He, she has telekinesis. She, does March Manor doesn't have telekinesis? Does he? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, no, I don't know. Actually, I don't think he does. Yeah, because yeah, she's got the X-ray vision. He has Martian vision. Uh, she's got a sonic screen. The telekinesis, as you mentioned, uh, and she's got the Martian vision, which is just heat vision, uh, psionic shielding, and blasting. Uh, shape changing. Yep, the invisibility, intangibility, telepathy, shape shifting, regeneration, which I think all of them have. Yep, they give her super reflexes, super stamina, and agility, super speed. Now that's a t- that's an interesting one. I don't know if that maybe is just hers. Yeah, I don't uh, remember that for because I mean I know Marsh Manor is fast, but I don't think he's considered super. Fast. No, uh, she's got flight and vulnerability, dur- durability, and then the super strength, of course. So, uh, so the Eclipso Diamond, uh, how that corrupts her, amplifies her powers. And, uh, you know, what, what was that going to do for her? Now, who is my Hellfire Club? I wanted to go with another. It, it, it's interesting because they don't have a de- direct con- uh, connection to Ms. Martian. But I wanted to go with a clandestine organization that's in the background. Uh, not so much a government organization. I went with the Court of Owls. Nice, right? Like I, I want to see corrupting little bastards. Yeah, and I mean, what, what, what better than to corrupt some of the Teen Titan or a Titan, so to speak, you know, one of the younger heroes, and uh, and use her to take over not only Gotham now but the rest of the world. 
So you had the Hellfire Club or the Court of Owls. Who is their mastermind? Who's the one that's trying to get back into the Hellfire Club, get into their good graces? It's uh, Benjamin Orchard. It's one, their one-time uh, uh, talent that is presumed dead, but not knowing if he's dead because he's unkillable. He's a he's an undead creature anyways, or a, a person that's been brought back from the dead. Uh, I just thought, you know, a young man like that who in a lot of ways mimics Nightwing uh, could be the thing that's like, seduces Miss Martian because like uh, yeah, he's like a darker Dick Grayson exactly and he's gonna let her inhibitions flow mm-hmm. so I mean they to me I see that they have like a little bit of a connection in there that the most recent Titans book which I know doesn't exist anymore and <laughs> Dick Grayson isn't isn't around because he's Rick Grayson but in that book even though he was very much uh, scolding her and being like look I, I don't like you around because you're just here to keep an eye on us for the rest of the Justice League like the two of them have a connection and you can see that she has feelings for him, but he doesn't understand that. He doesn't see that. Uh, so I would think this would be an interesting uh, mirror reflection. And then my Shi'ar. Uh, my Shi'ar is definitely the White Martians. They're going to come in. They're going to be like, oh, one of ours is going to have this cosmic power. Well, then we can use that kind of thing. Uh, not so much to get rid of it like the Shi'ar wanted to, but to, to, to use it, to manipulate it. So that's my Dark Phoenix saga. I guess that would be... Uh, a dark Martian saga? The dark side of Mars. I like it. <laughs> the, the diamond saga. The dark diamond saga. The, the darkness Martian saga. There you go. The darkness the saga. darkness saga. I like that because I've always enjoyed the fact that Eclipso, they do billet the darkness within. And I think that's really neat. Like you take Miss Martian, Megan, because she's, she's a great character. I mean, the white Martians, you're right. They were villainous. They're horrible. Mm-hmm. They're scum. And it's like, here she is, one of them. And it's like, she has to pose as a green like she can't be in her white form. She has to pose as green in order for anybody to trust her and want to deal with her. So that's huge. So I like that. I like that it because it kind of plays instead of being a mutant, you're a Martian. Yep. So that's cool. I like it. Okay, we, uh, let's go with Rafa. Okay, so I really like yours. Uh, yours is very well thought out. Did this I, one? Did I step on any of your toes? No, no. Good, um, good. They're very different. I've been watching a lot of uh, the Conjuring one and two. And the nun, like these past two weeks, I don't know why. Just, <laughs> just wrapped great. up in that one universe. So huh? I want my story to be more kind of dealing with the occult nice. and kind of the sense of like gods on earth. So nice. my Phoenix, my Jean Grey is gonna be Donna Troy. Ooh, nice. we use Donna Troy a lot. I use Donna Troy a lot. So Donna, basically, the way that this 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 comic event would start would be it begins with the assassination of Doctor Fate, and so basically Doctor Fate is found dead. And all the and they've lost the helmet of Naboo, right? And they're like, what's going on here? Um, and so the Justice League doesn't know what's going on. And ultimately, what's happening is there is my Hellfire Club is going to become the Paragon of Night, which is going to be a combination of different gods that have this this agenda, this ancient prophecy mm. that they've heard about. And this includes people like Ares, Trigon, Metron, and Desaad. Wow, not, not even Dark Side, but Desaad going against Dark Side. Oh, okay. Shit. And so basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to create an ultimate ritual to bring about the God particle. And the God particle is what this story would be called. And the whole premise is the God particle is this ancient force that is called upon using the helmet upon a wearer that they can use to manipulate to recreate all of everything, right? So it's an ultimate force that makes you all powerful, all, all, basically the ultimate God of all gods, right? That's the whole purpose. And so the way I want the story to kind of go forward is... 
ultimately donna doesn't really know as, as we know like her origin is something that's just completely meshed into complete shit because it's always <laughs> changing and it's never really 100 percent accurate where it's coming from so in this one she's kind of struggling with again who am i what's going on what's going on here and you know it starts with um her going to wonder woman and they kind of have a conversation how diana thinks very highly and saying you know you're going to be doing amazing things you're going to change this world so it goes into that fanaticism of okay how can i do that and so basically her conduit or her mastermind is going to manipulate her is going to be hermes so hermes is going to come down in human form and basically work with her and kind of like prime her to let her know like you know you are worth so much more even wonder woman sees it in you but you know people don't really know who you are they don't give you the respect you deserve so they start kind of playing on that and so ultimately they do the ritual and donna troy becomes the god particle uh which ultimately leads to her manipulating and she destroys about half the universe or something to that to that effect and she's really really powerful so this causes a huge stir and so ultimately the people my shiar they're going to come in was going to be the green lantern core but diana asks how this is my problem let me take care of this wow i dig that and so hal doesn't call the green lanterns instead we get the dark stars that show up and they go hey this is some problems we're here to stop it and it culminates into this giant thing where uh, Diana ultimately has to plunge her sword into Donna during a moment of weakness oh, where wow. like she's kind of talking to her like, hey, you know, we were so much better than this. We could do this. Like Donna, you know, uh, one, uh, Diana, you, you trusted in me. I love you like a sister. I love you too, sister. And then plunges the sword. Her essence is scattered. And that's, that will be my story. And to, hope, to ultimately to hopefully bring Donna back again some point in the future but with like a new power set, a little bit stronger, a little bit wiser, maybe a little bit older. But that's how I do my story. Okay, I like that. I, I like that. There's there's not the 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 Scott Jean love story, but it's the sister love story between uh, Donna and Diana. Yes. Now, the one thing that I do want to talk about is the Diana asking how to back off to mm-hmm. not come down. Do you feel that the two of them have that kind of relationship, or is it to me? To it would be. And I know the two of you are, are the biggest Hal fans, but uh, Diana having to fight Hal to be like, hey, back off. I feel like the way I want to play it out is Hal's going to have memories of them fighting in the past. Mm. So Diana confronts him in a way where it's, hey, I need you to do this for me. We've been partners in fighting crime for so long. I need this from you, Hal. And whereas Hal would have been very quickly to call it in. He he believes in Wonder Woman so strongly in the, in this moment from everything that they've been through that he actually does it. That's that's where I want to come. Fair from. enough. I like that. But I thought about that. I thought like yeah, let's have some kind of confrontation. But I thought there's going to be so much destruction in the story already. I wanted Hal to kind of be like, um, ultimately the Green Lanterns do show up and like there's a big fight. But- <sighs> well, and I like that because honestly, like that that harkens. I think that's really neat and that's very sincere. And how would a well written how would he'd be like? No, I get my duty as an officer. But my duty as a human being, you know, I can see him doing that because that even kind of harkens to like, like going back to the famous Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill, Green Lantern, Green Arrow run. Like I could see how almost being like, you know what? I didn't do that good a job with Roy. So this is his moment to be like for Donna and for Diana. Mm. I'll step aside. So that's I like that touchdown in it. I think that's really neat. 
All right, Chris, we've, you've heard two stories now. Did either one of us step on your toes? Uh, yes, all the toes. No, actually, surprisingly, but uh, we came close because I was thinking about this when we, we when we talked about it, and I was like, okay, who would I have as my as my Dark Phoenix? So obviously, when it comes to the X-Men, I went to their era matching with the new Teen Titans. Nice. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, let's think about the classic ones. So part of me was like, oh, Star, Starfire would be great. Give her the ability of the Phoenix. But it's like... But that's just that, that one felt too easy. Like that felt like where it would go and stuff like that. So I was like, no, nah, I'm going to stay away from it. I thought about Donna and I thought she would actually be perfect because that would have been what Donna's gift would have been was now she has purpose. And not to say that she doesn't have purpose, but she has meaning, I guess, would be the better yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. So I thought about that, but I was like, nah, I really want something that's going to dig. So I was like, okay, so here's what I came up with. I mean, before before you start, I think it is interesting because I picked a person that's that's was a Teen Titan and a Titan at one point. He definitely picked a, a founding member of the Teen Titans. Sure. You were about to go with a... With a oh, I still uh, will. Teen I'm still going to go oh, It's going to be go. a Teen Titan. It's going to be... The greatest Teen Titan of all. <laughs> so this is, I'm going to take the Judas contract and I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Okay. So this is going to be the Nightwing saga. Ooh. All right. Here we go. Like I got the and us. Let's see how well I can live it to. So my Hellfire Club will be consistent of a new team. I'm going to call them the Fatal Five because in the new Teen Titans lore, the Fatal Five has been one of those groups that they've always faced off against. So I'm going to have... People that have been burned so severely by the Titans, Dr. Light and Deathstroke, they come together and they're like, okay, we are going to do this. We're going to take them down. We're going to tear it all down. So they enlist the calculator to help them manipulate a bunch of stuff. They enlist Terra because she's going to be the one who actually goes in and infiltrates the group. And then my new mysterious player is going to be Lady Clayface. Why? She's going to be posing as Mary Grayson. Ooh. So she's going to be that Jason Wingard part that'll come in and seduce. Now, obviously, this won't be a seduction, but this will be that moment where it's like Dick Grayson never got to know his mother. So anyways, so yeah, it'll just be one of those stories where the, you know, the, the, the like, I mean, I, I, I could have, I should have, but I'm going to create something called the Nightwing. So it's going to be the legendary myth. So for some reason, the Titans are out there and Dick gets this power. So he's struggling with it, and it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to be? You know, what what can I? What what should I do? Because again, that that phrase, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolute. And Dick Grayson is a very strong character. He's very lovable. He's very understanding. He's very everything. So this is going to be a hard loss. So I'm going to have it that Dick Grayson is seduced by the power, and this ultimately transforms him into the Nightwing. So he's going to be on a cosmic scale, and it's going to be crazy because you know his two father figures. Um, Alfred and Bruce are going to look at this differently. Like Alfred's just going to be so amazed and like, oh my God, this is how, how great for the lad that he can, you know, see all these amazing things. And of course, Bruce being the fucking douchebag that he is, is going to be like, no, you have to control everything. You know, so he's going to have some kind of bat capsule that'll try to go with it. <laughs> but of course, the, the new Teen Titans are so excited about it. But the one who's going to be worried is going to be Starfire. Why? Because the Tamaranians from Tamaran, they're going to be the Shi'ar. They have been trying like crazy to keep the Nightwing under control because it was it was a prime uh, a universal force that would just be out there and in, 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 in trying to quest on its insatiable hunger. So almost kind of like a Galactus type of thing. So, you know, like like um, Corey is going to be torn because she's so excited for Richard because he's riding on this high. And thanks to the powers, he's convinced that he brought his mother back. 
So that's how Mary, a.k.a. Lady Clayface, is able to get in there. Tara's going to be on the team, and she's going to be manipulating, so this way they won't be the support that they really need. Wow. And so Deathstroke and Dr. Light, obviously they're in it for their revenges. Dr. Light's going to be a little bit more aware of the fact that he was tampered with, and Deathstroke is going to be like, you killed my fucking boy. I've been here from day one to destroy you. So they're going to go with it. We're going to see Richard Grayson go just crazy chaotic because obviously his mother is going to be pushing him to be like, no, you need to do more. You know, your whole life you've had Batman telling you what to do. Now you have the Titans holding you back. It's time for you to become something more. And so he does. And, you know, eventually that power just becomes too much and he takes it a bit far. So then the Shi'ar are going to show up and it's time for that big showdown. So obviously, you know, Corey's going to side with the Titans. They're going to fight to say, no, we're going to we're going to do the best we can to save them. So I want to have that iconic cover with Scott and Gene, but replace it with Nightwing and Corey Starfire. Wow. I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, and so ultimately, you know, the fatal five are destroyed uh, just because they're a malicious pack of rats. And Nightwing will be sacrificed, and it'll be tough. And so we'll live in a world without a Nightwing. So that's what I'm throwing now, out Now, this Nightwing energy, is it the same from the Kryptonian lore? I thought about that, like, how could I tie it in? But I think I'm going to tie it more into something that the Shi'ar have de- dealt with. So it just so happens to be that, yes, like, maybe it could. Like, later on, you could try to say, oh, that the, night, the, the Nightwing has been out there kind of choosing a host and okay. it kind of makes sense because, yeah, okay, let's put it on Krypton. So there was a Nightwing, and what happened to Krypton? It that's exploded. True. Then you so, could also bring you know, in Flamebird. Yeah, you could have something like that. And wow. so that's the counterforce that comes to it, yeah. So maybe that's what will happen when, when, when Richard Grayson is resurrected as Rick. He'll come in as the Flamebird. <laughs> <laughs> Can uh, either one of you think of a time where someone from the Bat family like, like that got superhuman power? I remember that one Superman Batman adventure oh, yeah. where Batman and Superman trade. I think it's for a day. And so Superman becomes human and Batman gets Superman's powers and he doesn't sleep. Yeah, he's just like, I'm going to crime fight 24 7 because I'm Superman. And, and when did he- I know this, this story? When was this? This was, yeah, the Superman Batman book. Um, it was later. Like the book kind of just, like, it used to be organized, and then it kind of yeah, changed. Yeah, it was like a series of Batman and Superman adventures. Okay. And so like there was one like the search for the last kryptonite, so they go out and they look for all the kryptonite on Earth so it doesn't hurt Superman. It's just a bunch of buddy oh, cop type that stories. Cool armor. That was cool. So this trade paperback is dealing with that specific story where I forget what the catalyst is, but Batman gets Superman's powers and Superman becomes human. So I remember it gets to Batman's head. And then the only per- the person that confronts Batman is actually Nightwing. Yeah. And Nightwing actually is able to like hurt Batman for a second, but that's because Batman hasn't been sleeping. Mm. But then he puts Nightwing in the hospital from how badly he kicks his ass. That's I mean because that's what I to think like how controlling Batman is. Yeah, if he were to get superhuman power, it would be it would be pretty destructive. Like he's oh, yeah. it, he pushes his human body to the limit, but that's still a human body. Like having superpowers would probably not be great for him, but for someone like Dick Grayson, Nick Nightwing, like I, I get what like what you did with the you know the absolute power app corrupts absolutely, but like what would you I mean other than this story, what would you see Nightwing with superhuman powers be doing? Like would he would he be would he emulate Superman or would he go more into the psychosis that is Batman? I think he would emulate Superman, but unfortunately, he would have the fallings of Bruce. Because so he's he never still, had this power, yeah. and this is this is getting power at the, later on in your life. Yeah. Kind of thing. So I mean, I think he'd still have it out there, like, oh, I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna apply myself to be Superman, being heroic. But unfortunately, I'm not gonna stop 
which would be kind of the same thing with Bruce, where it's like, I you don't you don't fall, and that's I think that's what would happen. So it's like that would be more of like the road to hell is paved with good intentions, mm-hmm. you know. So that's what I'd play there, because yeah, in this one, that's why I was like, oh well, Lady Clayface and Tara, they'll be that mental side of the attack, and they'll play with Dick's emotions and and passions, and that's what causes them to ultimately succumb. But I think if if you didn't have that outside force. Because even the same thing for the argument of Jean Grey, I think she would have stayed heroic if the Hellfire Club hadn't come in and messed True. things up. True. So, Rafa, with uh, anybody in the Bat Family, can you think of anyone that would would not get corrupted if they if given superpowers? I'd like to say I, in the Bat Family, I'd like. To, I mean, if it turns out that Tim is Leviathan, I'm gonna be very upset. <laughs> but I'd like to say it'd be Tim. Okay. Tim to me has always been the most stand up of all of the Robins in my opinion. Everyone brings something new to the table, but Tim is always the one that's just that ultimate essence of good. I don't feel he's ever strayed from the correct path. And the cool thing is he doesn't blindly follow Batman. And I think that's important because Batman sometimes gets too lost in his plight. Um someone else who I feel wouldn't also be corrupted, um, but would just be more badass would be Cassandra. Ooh. That's a good pick. Just because with cool. Cassandra, I mean, she's already a of a powerful killing machine, mm-hmm. but she has those checks and balances and she does her own thing. So, I mean, when you're already super powerful and you get even more power, I can see her maybe not necessarily having to use it as much. And then, I mean, I feel someone who would be definitely corrupted would be maybe Jason, Stephanie. See, I was going to go the opposite direction with Jason. Like, I feel like he's the closest one to no, having a superpower redemption. because he already died and was brought back to life. Not that that's a superpower, but it, he was he's already had that dabble with that kind of supernatural superpower kind of thing. So like him getting, say, the powers of Superman, he, I could see it easily corrupting him. I could see him easily being like. Uh, coming to his rage and uh, succumbing to his rage, as I was trying to say, but like, I just feel like he would he would want to be the one to be like I can prove to everybody else that I am better than this, that I can do this, like just out of pure spite. It's not like I want to do good. It's uh, like it wasn't I would because approved. I wanted to. Yeah, I want to show you. I want to show everything <laughs> exactly. So I think that would be interesting. Why why hasn't Jason Todd gotten a red ring of rage yet? Because they're not smart enough to use the emotional spectrum. <laughs> he should. He should totally have one. I think that'd be great. So, uh, yeah, that, maybe that's a challenge one day. Everybody in the Bat family gets a gets an emotional ring. Ooh, the, we, emotional we bat, the, the emotional bat spectrum. There we go. Uh, all right, guys. I think that's three incredibly great stories. Uh, I love to, I would love to see any one of these he made, um, if I must say so myself. But if <laughs> you would like to have, uh, or if you have a story that you want to, tell us we'd love to hear from you i am on twitter i am mitchipedia g-e-m g-e-m stands for geek elite media chris is also on twitter as stuff i should say should being spelled s-h-u-d you can also start following his reviews online at another website if you want to give that plug uh yeah so luckily i, I got picked up by adventures in um so i'm one of their new editors um i've recently had a couple out so yeah check them out my first one was deceased issue two so that issue is always going to hold a, a special place in my heart but uh yeah it's it's nice mitch challenged me to start writing more and I, I i thank you because it's it's led to some cool fruit so yeah check us out over there um get the skinny uh, I know I throw out too many positive reviews, but I'm not going to read and buy something I don't like. So if you want to see a positive review, check it out. And you can also find Rava on the internet at Mobile Rafi. Whether it's YouTube or Twitter, come find some entertainment on the go. There you go. 
Uh, so if uh, you have to, if you want to talk to the rest of Geekly Media, it's at Geekly Media on Twitter, at Geekly Media on Instagram, and Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Media is our Facebook, Facebook page. I don't know why I can't talk right now. <laughs> uh, check out our website, GeeklyMedia.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Media Network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on New Comic Book Day Wednesday saying, always remember to geek, geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.